Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. Uh, what an exciting time this is, the beginning of a new year. And uh, that's why I want to talk a little bit about the challenges of becoming an overcoming Christian. So one of the challenges of becoming an overcoming Christian and of success in general is to recognize that there is more to the process of becoming successful than wishing and wanting. We all want love, peace, and the joy of success. The question is, are we willing to pay the price? See, you'll find all kinds of motivational slogans and cliches about reaching your dreams or reaching your potential, and you'll find it on social media, on advertising, in books, magazines, TVs, in the theater. However, all the slogans and cliches will not replace two important things. Number one, making the right decision. Number two, committing to follow through. In the Old Testament are a series of books known as the wisdom books. The books of Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and Song of Songs. Now these books contain wisdom for those who seek and follow it. But what is biblical wisdom? Let's ask that question first. Uh, in this sense, wisdom can only come from God. It is spiritual because it's revealed through the Bible, which is spiritual, the Logos word, or by the Holy Spirit, the Rhema word, of course, who is, who is spiritual as well. Uh, and of course, the, the Rhema word always agrees with the Bible, and that's important to remember. In James 1, beginning in verse 5, the scriptures tell us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Now you see, God's kind of wisdom doesn't come from worldly, from the world, it comes from him. And so, let me be clear, knowing God's direction is only one half of the equation though. The other half is doing what God has revealed to you, regardless of the cost. Remember the parable of the two builders in Matthew chapter seven, beginning in verse 24. One builder built his house on the sand. The other built his house on the rock. Now the storms of life came to both houses, and the house that was built on sand fell and was destroyed. But the one who built his house on the rock remained standing through the storm. The question in this parable is, what's the difference between the sand and the rock? You see, the one who built his house on the sand is like someone who hears the word, but doesn't do it or obey the word of God. The one who built his house on the rock is the one who hears the word and then obeys it by doing it. So we all build our lives, storms will come, and the question is, are you a doer of the word of God in the storm? That will determine your success. Choices or decisions always have consequences. Even not making a decision or a choice is a choice. Galatians chapter 6, beginning verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, whatever decision a person makes, that he will also reap the consequences. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. In other words, maintain our endurance. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Clearly, our important decisions should have their foundation in doing things God's way. 
We secure our foundation in God by communicating with the Lord. And we can do that through meditating on his word, uh, worshiping God, praying, and of course, taking the time to hear from the Lord. As a believer, God has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And as a matter of fact, he even calls you his friend. And it's natural for friends to communicate or to talk to one another. Now, it's normal to look at the natural situations and circumstances that we face in life. And at times, uh, it may look very, very discouraging. But in the storm, we mustn't lose our focus on the Lord. We're called to be faith walkers, which means we must learn how to see with spiritual eyes. Recall the story of Elijah and the servant in 2 Kings, beginning in chapter 6, verse 16. They were surrounded by the armies of Syria, which wanted to capture Elijah. And as Elijah's servant looked out upon the situation, he was terrified. Maybe you have felt that way too. However, listen to what Elijah said. He says in verse 16, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And of course, this young servant looked around and he couldn't see anyone who was with him. But then Elijah prayed and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. You see, the Lord looks out for his own. Doesn't Romans 8.28 say, that? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Make decisions that line up with his purpose for your life. Then Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 28, that counting the cost is an important part of the decision-making process. And it says in beginning in verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the costs, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish? Then all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, The man began to build, but was not able to finish. You see, it's easy to become a legend in your own mind. And what I mean by that is that in our imagination, we often see the path to success as being easy or clear. The reality is that there are many obstacles and pitfalls that we have to overcome or avoid. The truth is is that you have an enemy, the devil himself, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy the faith, hope, and vision God has given you. Remember, there are two parts to being a successful Christian. I said that in the beginning. One is to make the right decision. The second is to commit to that decision. In other words, use godly wisdom to make the decision or choice, then follow through to the very end. Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 50, beginning in verse 7, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced, I will not be disappointed. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed or disappointed. Now, what does it mean to set your face like a flint? Well, a flint is a, a type of stone, and it's a very hard stone. And when you, when you, you know, break it, it forms very sharp edges. 
So in the past, flint was used to make many kinds of uh, cutting tools. So what Isaiah was saying is that once I've decided, I, my, I'll, be like, I'll be like the sharp piece of flint and I will cut through every hindrance and obstacle until I have reached the goal. I will not give up. Now, many years ago, a term that was used to demonstrate focus and determination, and that term was to have the eye of the tiger. Now, perhaps you've read or even seen images of a tiger or some big cat stalking its prey. They are single-minded, not easily distracted, focused, and intentional in getting to their prey. And their prey is their goal. In our case, we need to be just as determined to fulfill the call of God upon our lives. When, uh, what, what sometimes distracts us, though, uh, from having the eye of the tiger is that we look at the circumstances of, or our natural abilities and we say, I can't or it's impossible. And this, this, this is when we need to remind ourselves that we walk by faith and not by sight. As it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Don't forget that the Holy Spirit lives in you and nothing is impossible with him because he is the Spirit of God. When the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the context of this statement was that no matter what the circumstances are, I will trust in the Lord to bring me through them. And we can expect the same if we put our faith in Jesus. Our journey with the Lord is a faith walk, which means that we need to be spiritually aware or focused on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the helper that Jesus promised us when Jesus ascended to heaven. You see, we cannot do it alone. We must acknowledge the Holy Spirit living in us because he provides the authority and the power of God. That's our faith walk. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of our faith, of course, is the Bible, the spiritual book. The evidence of things not seen is accomplished by the Holy Spirit living in us. Our faith that the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Through the Holy Spirit, we have eyes to see, we have ears to hear, and we have a mind to comprehend the things of God. And that's clearly spelled out in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. I encourage you to reread that. Moving in the Spirit of God uh, has less to do with feelings and emotions than following the truth. The Bible is the source of all truth, and we must believe and obey the truth regardless of how we feel or our emotions. Obedience to God is a demonstration of real faith. And faith moves God. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The fruit of faith is the reward that is in the Lord's hands. The Apostle Paul describes Jesus' attitude when he endured the trials and the pains of obeying the Father. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is, look, that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we're to be like Jesus. We're to be like a long-distance runner. And what the long-distance runner needs is endurance. Don't quit. Then the Apostle Paul says about himself at the end of his life in 2 Timothy four, begin, uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Now here he is, he's preparing to go back to, to go with the Lord. And he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Then he goes on to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And here's some more great news. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul ran his race to the very end. And that is his instruction to us, to run the race of faith with endurance, because the goal is just around the corner. Someone once said, a decision is made with the mind, but a commitment is made with the heart. Our Lord Jesus Christ has given us an example of the greatest decision and commitment. You know that he loves us. The Bible clearly tells us so. However, his love is a decision and a commitment for our good. See, God's love in the original Greek is the word agape. And this kind of love is not an emotion or a feeling, but it is an unconditional decision and commitment to provide us with every good gift from heaven. We need to develop our character. And there are, there are three things that I can think of that would help us to become an overcoming Christian. And the first one is learning to lean on the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. See, that's the Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You have authority which has been given by Jesus Christ. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the Lord's will in and through your life. The second thing that we need to develop in our lives is, is learning patience or endurance. Remember what we read in, one, in James. In James 1, beginning in, in verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And then verse 7 says, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, he is a double-minded man, 
unstable in all his ways. Don't be double-minded. Keep focused on the goal, the eye of the tiger, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The third thing and the final thing is to remember who we serve and how much God loves us. The Lord's love for us is endless. And we find this and see this in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 37. And it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Have faith of God's love for you. And as you develop that faith in, in God's love for you, you will learn how to trust or have faith in Him. And you will begin to recognize that because of the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are more than a conqueror. God bless you. I hope this word encourages you at the beginning of a new year and that you would embrace all that God has for you and you would put your trust totally and completely in his hands. Again, God bless you. We'll see you the next time. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations are from the New King James Version of the Bible. Copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson. Used by permission, all rights reserved.